All right. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to the Select Star podcast hosted by Harvard EB. Um, today, we are speaking with Randy, who is a senior software engineer and tech lead at MailChimp, um, calling in from Michigan. So thanks, Randy, for joining us today. Hello. Thanks, Margo. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we were able to connect. I think that I saw um, I think I originally came across your profile because I saw that you're speaking at, at a conference coming up, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Render ATL. Yep. That's the one I um, have been wanting to make it out there. I know last year Render popped up on my radar and like the speaker lineup is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was going through it and just kind of looked at your profile and was like, oh, it seems like Randy would be awesome to have on our podcast. So really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should. It was uh, it was a great time last year. Um, so my uh, when I joined Mailchimp, my tech lead or my onboarding buddy actually was the founder, Justin Samuels. So oh, cool. that was, it's kind of a, a nice thing to be able to have a that close of a connection to the conference. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, it's definitely on my radar. If I don't make it out this year, then I'm really hoping to bring myself and um, some colleagues for next year because we're, we've kind of been going back and forth about our conference strategy and, and sponsorships and stuff, but it's, it's one I'd love to get involved with. So um, keeping it on at the top of my list. <laughs> uh, so yeah, before we jump into it, would love to just hear a little bit more about sort of who you are, your background, your journey in tech. Uh, yeah, so I'm Randy Kinney, um, like you mentioned, a senior engineer and pretty recently new tech lead at MailChimp. And uh, yeah, I've been working in tech for, I think this is my three and a half-ish year mark, four-year mark. Um, and I kind of had a non-traditional path, which uh, a lot of people at MailChimp have had into tech, which is something that I... I really love about our culture, but um, yeah, I I kind of got started out in uh, in video games. I used to play them a lot when I was younger, and uh, specifically Minecraft, which is really funny. Uh, and then a couple years after that, I was in high school and college, and um, figured out that I could write code to uh, to make a career out of, and slowly just started working in that direction. Uh, ended up dropping out of college and joining my previous company and worked there for a few years, got promoted a couple of times and moved on to MailChimp. And here we are. That's that's a good summary. I always love hearing where people's sort of first inspiration came from in terms of getting into tech. So I think the gaming piece is probably a popular one. Are you still a big gamer today? Do you still have time for that? <laughs> not not nearly as much. Um I I enjoy it a little bit, but um, I'm I like to think I'm a lot more of a well-rounded person now with other interests <laughs> outside of that. So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I actually had someone on the podcast last season um, named Bria, who's a game creator, and that was really cool to just dive a little bit more into the inner workings of like how an idea initially comes to be up for a game and all the different logistics that go into it and like the user experience and graphics. And it was really cool to, to learn more about that. Um, mm-hmm. I could see that definitely like sparking your interest. Yeah. Um, it was, um, it was just something where I could combine like a hobby or like a passion with, uh, with writing code. And then I've just kind of followed that and it's led me to where I am. 
That's awesome. And so are you, what was your process then for learning to code? Did you do like a traditional boot camp or? Yeah. So it was uh, honestly a lot of YouTube tutorials and um, what I would do, which I didn't know it at the time, but I would basically see what other people had written uh, for code that did certain things uh, in the game. And then I would just kind of reverse engineer that and like make it do my own thing. And um, I spent probably like a year or two doing that as a teenager. And then moving on, like I started attending college and stuff and they were going over programming concepts and I didn't have like a name for what the programming concepts were called, uh, but I'd see them there at the class and think, oh, wait, I've already done this. I just didn't know what it was called. So <laughs> that's pretty sweet. I mean, you got that early start and that's definitely like gives you a leg up. Um, I, I feel like especially starting in the teenage years, you're really just doing that because it's like a hobby and something you're passionate about and not because like a class or someone is forcing you to. So that's really cool. I'm sure that made um, made the whole process a lot easier. It did. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really like passionate about um, like code in high schools and in middle schools and things like that, uh, because getting young kids uh, kind of exposed to these concepts and get their mind thinking about the ways that they can break problems down and stuff like that is going to be really valuable for like future generations. Yeah, that, I know that's a great point. And even though, even if like frameworks and like coding languages and things change, I think even getting some of those fundamentals under your belt early on, like you can still kind of apply that later on, no mm. matter what you do, if it's anywhere in tech, like it's, you know, I feel like code is popping up, you know, even if you're in marketing and just have to do a little bit with websites or whatever it might be. Um, it's definitely like something to have a good foundation that I wish I did certainly. <laughs> And even like just the most basic level, like problem solving skills can be insanely valuable to have Yeah, any, any career. Yeah, exactly. That makes sense. Awesome. And so I'm curious just to hear a little bit more about like current day with what you're doing now, what your day to day is like, um, you know, what you're kind of focusing on as a senior engineer and tech lead. I know you said the tech lead part is new. So like, how did that change your role? Um, stuff like that. Mm hmm. Yeah, so uh, my team, and I guess it's not unique to my team, but at MailChimp, we have a very like flexible tech lead role um, where it's encouraged to be rotated or passed on and passed off as, as needed. Um, so on my team, I split tech lead rotation duties with uh, another engineer, and I'm really thankful because he handles a lot more of the like deep down technical details of like tech leading. Um, but it means that I get to go to like the product side meetings and like marketing and other meetings and like have a more like 30,000 degree view of the stuff that our team's going to be doing later on and like what we're doing now and what other teams are doing now. So that means that I can usually like take a problem that our team has and bring it to other teams and see if like as an organization, we can come to a better uh, solution or the other way around. If I've seen something that another team is doing really well that our team could do that, we could do that as well. Interesting. Yeah. I really like that format of, of rotating the tech lead as well so that you can sort of share some of the challenges and responsibilities. And, and it sounds like one of the main differences is that now you have this visibility across a lot of different teams and are maybe doing a lot more collaborating than you would have previously been doing as a software engineer. Like now, um, it's cool that you kind of have your hands in different buckets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's been really helpful because in the past, 
Uh, and this isn't exclusive to, you know, MailChimp or Intuit, but in the past, the tech lead role has oftentimes been like something that burns people out um, because it can be really hard to be the person that has full oversight of like all of the different projects the team has going on, but also is like the main implementer of those projects. Um, that can be a really tough thing to balance because you're effectively doing like two jobs at once. So being able to rotate that stuff off and have like a great team um, to be able to back you up on those things is is really important. Yeah, that's awesome. And would you say when you first started in your career, like, was this a role that you pictured yourself going into or, or wanted to go into or did it kind of fall in your lap and it just seemed like the timing was right or, or how did that work? Mm hmm. It kind of is kind of both. Um, I didn't really have my sights set on it. I think that, you know, I wanted to continue growing in my career, um, but it wasn't anything that really came about as like deliberate planning. It was more so that I just continued um, building the things that our team was building and like connecting dots with other teams. Uh, and okay. over time that those kind of like learnings just happen both ways and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. And so uh, what kind of challenges then do you face in your role? Like if, you know, if other folks are listening that want to get to a similar place in their career, either just getting started out or maybe are like shifting into software engineering later on in their career or whatever it might be, or even, um, you know, folks that are just transitioning from a more independent contributor role to more of like a team oriented role, like tech lead, any sort of tips that come to you or like, challenges that you face and good ways that you found to overcome them? Mm -hmm. So the biggest challenges that I've seen, at least in my current role right now, are when you're looking at like larger groups of people, like finding the, the spots where people disagree, where people have different mental models of what works and what doesn't and what something's going to look like and trying to get all of those people on the same page. Um, those are like the two hardest things. Cause one it's hard to figure out like what different mental models people have. And then the other one is having, being able to write enough documentation or share things in a friendly enough way that's easily consumable by different audiences to be able to get everyone on the same page. Um, so really it's just like written documentation skills or written communication skills are just really hard. <laughs> yeah, I know it's funny. Like, I mean, we've definitely found with our product that one of the main suggestions that we've gotten over the years is just around docs. And I think that's super common for any sort of developer oriented type of product because it's everyone learns and communicates differently. So like you could totally revamp your docs and change them and think that they're clearer and easier to understand, but then someone might be like, well, I liked it better than actually the way it was before. So it's kind of, it's hard to like, please everyone um have you found even with communicating like internally on teams have you found that different people have different styles and that you try to accommodate it all or like is that sort of a group effort of deciding the way that docs will be created uh very so it's very common to have different people having different like communication styles um and it it's very different whether someone is like fully remote or um or not fully remote for example in terms of their communication style of whether they'd like to have a meeting for something or whether it's it's better as an async um like chat and right. so being able to being able to come up with something that is like flexible for everyone is important so like something that we do is we try to like post meeting summaries 
um, or at least like my team tries to do is post meeting summaries whenever we have a meeting. Um, that way, that way we're like every time we're having a meeting or something, we're trying to put it into a like easily digestible format. Yeah, I think that's a good um, we yeah, I, like having some sort of log or tracking so that you just have those notes and bullet points to go back and look on and like not try to remember everything. And even sending notes, I think, to the team after work a call, sending mm -hmm. a summary around can be helpful too, because then people can go in and be like, well, actually, you know, I want to provide more detail here or maybe change that idea here. And it's like, you can never be um, too organized when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's one of those things that when you frame notes that way, you also get to see like where people's mental models differ on how something works or what something looks like. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's that's a really good point. I could see that being a big challenge. Um, I'm sure that a lot of people are in a similar boat and can definitely resonate with that. So do you, um, you know, stepping away from just that specific challenge, do you have any other like tips or if people are wanting to get started out in coding and didn't start at an early age or just like kind of moments in your career thus far that you were like, oh, I kind of wish someone told me this sooner or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, the best thing that helped me was definitely just combining passions with code. Um, when I was trying to learn things, it made it a lot easier because I could take like an existing passion and I wasn't just writing code for writing code. I was building something that I really enjoyed, like for example, when I was in college, I wrote, I'm a really big hockey fan here living in Michigan. Um, and I think I wrote like some kind of uh, bot to post things to Reddit about the Red Wings prospects. And just being able to combine like a passion with coding made it a lot easier to build, actually build something and like follow through with it. Um, and so that's something that I did that I have a lot of friends trying to get into tech as well, which I, I love the industry. So I don't blame them. And I give them the same advice of like, build something you're passionate about or find something you're passionate about and build something that like fits that. Yeah, I think, and that's a great reminder and good way to get started of like, find either something you're excited about, like sports or find mm -hmm. some sort of problem or issue that's like affected you personally or affected people, you know, and maybe come up with a solution or like a way to solve that with tech or with an app or with some sort of integration. And um, I feel like, yeah, if you really care about it, then you'll follow through with it. And then whether or not you end up following that similar path in your actual like nine to five career, um, mm -hmm. then I don't think it needs to be like as much of a stress because you can still kind of have those side projects and like have those passion projects, but still, you know, have a reliable paycheck with like an awesome company at the same time. Right. Right. That's kind of the route that I went. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I was just going to ask then if you currently do have any side projects or if you have in the past, or if you're like contributing to any open source stuff or kind of just outside of that day to day. I don't, I think it's important, but at the same time with my role changing in the past few months, becoming a tech lead and stuff, I, I try to put all of my uh, energy available into solving like the hard problems that I see at work, where it's usually like whole groups of people having like different understandings of things and trying to get everyone on the same page and 
trying to like see our team's roadmap and get ahead of the things that might be a problem, like two to three months down the line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think like there's this whole idea around like the 10X developer and, and there's a lot of, you know, really awesome sort of influencers in the developer and tech community on Twitter and all these other spaces. And I see them talking about all the different things they're working on. And they also have their regular day job and like not judging that, but I'm just always like, how do you have, like, it, it, I feel like it makes me feel like I'm slacking for not having these things that I'm working on in after hours or like, you know, the people that are founders and are creating something from the ground up and they're doing it when they get home in the evenings. And that's like, so, so awesome, but also a good reminder that that is like not a requirement to be successful in your career. And there's totally work-life balance as well. <laughs> Absolutely. I think if I was doing that, I would be burned out really quickly. Yeah. Um, I, for what it's worth, I don't have any type of following on Twitter. I do follow other people. Uh, and that was something that I did before I got into tech was like, follow what other people are saying and like read the blog posts that they post. Um, and I still do that, but you know, I don't post my own things or build my own things outside of work. So yeah, you're right. I, I do see that a lot about, you know, the 10X developer, like, oh, if you're not building in public or like building side projects, like, are you developing? But there's a lot of engineers that are, you know, work alongside me and are great that don't have massive followings or other things that they've done. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, it is a really good reminder because there's, you see people asking questions about like, what if I want to try to find a community or try to build my career or like network, but I'm not building in public and I'm don't, I'm not. I don't, I'm not an influencer. I don't want to be on social media. Like that's, there's still, I would still probably say like a bigger percentage of developers that are still sort of doing that and wanting to operate in that way. And like, I think that there is still a time and a place and like you can find a mentor within your own team or at your company, or like you can join discord channels, or as you said, you can like read people's blogs and not have to comment and get super public about it. And I, I think it's fine. Like I, I definitely agree with the people that say like, look, I got a job because I posted and did all this, but there's still that whole other side to it. And it's totally fine. Like there doesn't need to be the pressure around it. Like the, I agree. It's completely fine. And like a lot of people get opportunities that way. It's a great way to, you know, increase your brand and like have access to opportunities that you might not have had otherwise. Um, but you don't need to go that route because it, it can be really hard. Like, especially if you already have a full-time job to, have like a social media presence on top of it. Cause that is also like a full-time job. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I have my days, like I definitely try to, cause I, I kind of have two different roles that I'm focused on right now. One is on the partnership side of things. And then one is the DevRel, like community engagement, um, influencer marketing, all of that, which I, I love, but I have my days where I have to remind myself like, Oh, I should probably pop on Twitter or pop on social media. And like, see what people are talking about and make sure to get engaged with, you know, the people I am constantly in contact with. And it's, um, it is, it can be a time sucker. Cause then sometimes I'm like, okay, it's been an hour and like, what am I doing? So um, it's, yeah, there's a time and a place for it too. And I think some people like take a couple of years away and then maybe have time in their career where they, they want to do more of that relationship building and more of that community engagement. And like, there's, I think it's just most important to like, look at, your own goals, your own time management and see what's working for you and what's not and not feel like you have to do what you see that everyone else is doing. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be really difficult to not like try to follow the trend. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's a great reminder. So um, I was going to pivot back to MailChimp. Also, is there like anything on the more just high level side? I, you know, I haven't really ever spoken with anyone that works at MailChimp. Is there like anything that's happening? That's, that's really exciting that you guys are like innovating or, or, you know, where you guys plan to be in five or 10 years. Obviously I know like the space that you guys operate in, but is there like anything exciting we should be on the lookout for? Yeah. So, um, I think all of the chat GPT stuff is really interesting. Um, chat GPT is probably really good at writing, uh, emails for customers. And so we're exploring some of that stuff, but on the whole with, with Intuit, we are starting to use more Intuit technologies and things like that, which Intuit operates on a much larger scale than, than even MailChimp and MailChimp's on quite a big scale as it is. So, um, there's a lot of like interesting projects that are coming down the pipeline that, uh, we'll see, we'll see like new capabilities that MailChimp has never seen before. So I'm excited. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. That's interesting what you say about ChatGPT because we've even been talking about like I'm sure people are already doing this every single day like you can use it to just write a blog for you and and then I don't know if at some point like Google's going to have filters for that where it's still you know where it will like flag it and say but I don't it's it's just really interesting there's like so many sides to it and it's like if you can use this tool that makes your life easier if you can use this tool to make a to write a really great email for you like write a sales campaign then why wouldn't you um, cause I've seen all these people like humans aren't even going to be writing their own stuff anymore, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, so what? I mean, you can use it too. <laughs> yeah. I think the real advantage is like combining it with humans. Um, right. That's, that's where we're really going to see things start to be a lot easier in a lot of, a lot of ways. Um, just for customers to be able to send nice emails um, without having a whole marketing department writing emails. Right. Yeah. It's going to be a time saver. And it's especially those people that don't have like a specific training and engaging with customers or whatever it might be. If they want to get, you can get some ideas from chat GPT and then um, tweak it yourself or like do your own research separately. It doesn't have to be the end all be all, but it certainly can be a time saver. And I feel like make people more comfortable with maybe things they weren't comfortable with before. So, so yeah, I like that idea of like, it's the combination of humans using these tools, not these tools, like running everything, (laughs) um, where it really becomes a awesome. So, and, and outside of that, like, are there, I know you said you're not working on any side projects or anything right now, but are there like any other tools or technology that you're excited about or that you kind of have on your list or like frameworks or languages or just anything that you are wanting to get into over the next year? Um, not necessarily. Uh, I I do wish I had a little bit more time for for that side of things, but we're just working at my job. I think it's important to be present. Which um, one of the things that I could do before I was a tech lead was not necessarily be present all the time on the team, or you know, kind of work on my own thing. But being in the working in the tech lead role where you're uh, you're in meetings for probably like a quarter to half the day at minimum. Um, you really have to be like present and carry the context a lot more. So I haven't had the time to do that, but uh, with our internal tooling and technologies, and like I said, the projects we have going on, um, that's that I've been happy enough to grow my career through that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. It seems like you're in a really good place and 
the fact that you're wanting to like put so much time and effort and focus into it is I think a really good sign. So, um, you know, it's, it's, again, I think it's this whole, like you got started early, kind of knew what you wanted to get into, which is always good to hear. And like, once you start in tech, one of my favorite things is how sort of fluid and overlapping different things can be. And I think like you hear some people talk about how they went so far down one path and they're afraid to shift. Like, for example, maybe they started in DevOps and they want to switch to like web development or something totally different. But that's been one of my favorite things about everyone I chat with is like, once you build all that support and have that experience, it's pretty easy to make those shifts and just kind of like follow your path and your passions with whatever makes sense. It is. And so when I first joined my previous company, um, I was in kind of like a solutions engineering role, which in solutions engineering, there's very much this idea of like the T-shaped engineer where you have a really broad like set of skills that are not very deep. And then you have one area that you're like really deep in. And I think there's a lot of value to that of um, having very general and not very deep uh, experience with a lot of different things and having something that you specialize in or want to focus on, put more effort into. Um, that's really helpful for just being adaptable as like an engineer or even just a person. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, I think having that broad experience, especially is like a great way to start. It's cool that you kind of started with that and then maybe got more specific with what you're doing now. Cause when you have that broad understanding and experience, you can really try different things and like understand what you want to get more into. Um, and again, I think it just goes back to that, like 10 X developer, discussion because or the myth of the 10x developer because it's like you can either be broad and know a little bit about a lot of things or like get really specific and be an expert on a few things but don't try to do it all because I think I feel like that's just a dead end road um or maybe someone that's been more like in the their career for 60 years or something but um it's it's cool that you kind of had that exposure first and then could transition into what you're doing now yeah and honestly I would I would just say that's advice for like everybody, like in hobbies and things like that is trying, just trying a bunch of different stuff and some things you're going to be better at, some things you're going to be worse at um, and building up like a community of people around you or like being around people that you enjoy being around um, can be a big part of that experience too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. And so um, one of the last things I was, I was going to ask here is do you, since you are, an example of someone that's like not super active on social media. Um, do you have any suggestions for like places? I don't know if you have like specific blogging websites or discord chat channels or anything like that, but do you have any places that you go when you just want to like ask a quick question or see what other people are talking about or like try to connect with someone or are you still just not really getting super involved in any of that at the moment? So I try to make like most of my connections uh, internally at my company Okay. But I do read a lot of blog posts from people that I really admire. Um, wish I could remember some off the top of my head, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah, let's see. I just I remember when I was getting into tech, I I would um, read all of these blog posts and see talks from from people and really respect what they were saying, and they made a lot of sense. And even if they were um, even if I was like a junior engineer at the time or before I had even gotten into tech, I was in college. Uh, I would read these blog posts about like being a staff engineer, for example. Um, and even 
even though that didn't apply necessarily to me in my circumstance, it like still taught me something that I maybe use now. Um, so I think just like overall, just reading code and reading blog posts is a lot like underrated, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it definitely does. And I think it's good to have to keep sort of like a short list on him because there's obviously endless amounts of information and resources out there. And it's good to like, once you find someone whose work or whose article that really resonated or that just liked their communication style or like found a tip that stuck with you, I think it's good to just keep a short list somewhere of like, here's four or five writers that maybe every few months or so I'll check in to see if they have new stuff. Um, Cause there's no, like, there's no reason to try to boil the ocean. Like if you've already found a couple folks that you like, then like try to just keep, you know, subscribe to like one or two of those and don't um, go crazy with it. So I think that's a good, a good tip as well. Um, awesome. Well, I know we're, we're coming up here on time. I really appreciate you taking the time to chat Randy. And um, as mentioned at the beginning for anyone listening, definitely encourage you to check him out at render ATL. If you're going, I forgot to ask what you're talking about. I don't know if you're allowed to say yet, but <laughs> I, I have an idea. I haven't finalized it yet, um, but probably something about how I've dropped out of college <laughs> <laughs> and how that uh, leads to like um, further leadership skills and stuff like that. Because I think that a lot of the a lot of the people at MailChimp that have started and come from other careers and from non-traditional backgrounds, like I know engineers that were um, some of my favorite leaders at MailChimp were like bartenders before, um, or they were, they have a degree in like rocket engineering, which um, <laughs> even though like MailChimp started as rocket science group, it, I don't, don't think it really helps them write code for emails. So yeah, <laughs> it's just, it's these different backgrounds that, you know, if, if you started in a different background and you weren't happy with it or something like that at some point you recognize or you like internally felt this idea of failure and instead reframed that towards like okay here's this other career maybe i could go into that and then like worked into that and it's not just like a couple engineers that have that at mailchimp it's like a very wide and deep group of people that came from like boot camps and stuff like that yeah that i really recognize with and yeah i think my talk might be something about that yeah. Well, I mean, I think that sounds super interesting and something that a lot of people will be able to relate to. I like encoding, especially it's just becoming one of those career paths that's moving away from like the traditional four-year university degree. And so many, I mean, way more people more often than not that I talk to are like self-taught or just did a couple week boot camp or learned over the course of a couple of years. And like, I think it's, it's good that we can maybe move away from this like paradigm of you have to have the traditional degree mm -hmm. from the traditional university. And, and um, you know, it, like these are hard skills that people can kind of learn on their own time. So yeah. uh, I think that sounds like an interesting topic. I'm sure it'll resonate with a lot of people and um, I will keep in touch and let you know if I end up being able to make it out there this year. But if not, as I said, definitely next year, maybe we can cross paths. That um, sounds um, the other thing about the talk is that like, there's definitely groups of underrepresented minorities that may get less, uh, opportunities, uh, for like things that they aren't necessarily, um, qualified for, but I think there's like a lot of jobs and stuff like that, that may be overlooking some people. So I'll be talking about that too. <laughs> okay. Well, I love that. Yeah. I mean, there's a good intersection of those, those different topics. Um, obviously that's a super, super important one. So 
Um, and that's one of the big focuses of render ATL, I know. So um that's great. Well, congrats again on the on the talk that you have coming up. And um thank you, Randy, for taking the time to chat with us. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you so much, Margo. All right. Have a good one. Yes, you too.